This is Talking Soundtracks with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Hello again, my name is Jason Drury and welcome once again to Talking Soundtracks on the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. Logan Austin, welcome back to Talking Soundtracks. Glad to be here. First of all, tell us what has happened to you since we last chatted about The Last Whistle in 2019. Gotcha. So The Last Whistle came out and that film first premiered at the Lone Star Film Festival, which is in Fort Worth, Texas, which is where the film was shot. And then it was on Netflix for a good period of time and definitely courted a football fan, conser- a little bit more conservative of an audience. It's borderline a faith film, like a Christian film, which is not necessarily the idiom that, or the type of filmmaking that I personally want to do. No offense to the director, Rob, who did an impressive job putting all of that together. So My Tinder with Andre is a film I directed. I presume the audience is somewhat familiar with the film My Dinner with Andre, which was the inspiration for it, which is Andre Gregory and Wallace Shawn wrote this a uh, wonderful script that they got Louis Maul to direct. It was 1981, I believe. And I wanted to make a similar film that was just conversation-based. So I had shot that shortly after The Last Whistle and then getting it edited, the sound mixed, the score produced, and then released properly. It was a bit of a long-winded process. So I took care of all those elements over the intervening years. I've done, I think, two other short film scores in that period. One was called Off to the Races, directed by Troy Peterson. The other was Dumps by Boris Billich. And those were both sparse. Both directors requested something sparse. Um, Off to the Races was solo piano. Dumps was solo acoustic guitar. They both requested something on the sparser side. So those had some festival play. And then My Tinder with Andre premiered in the Atlanta area, which is where it was shot at the Plaza Theater and then has now been released to streaming services. Tell us more about My Tinder with Andre. Yes, so My Tinder with Andre is about two young people, Chloe and Andre. Chloe is a pragmatist, a realist, very much a lives in this world sort of person who is a sociology student. And then Andre is a bit more of a free spirit romantic, and he's an aspiring musician himself, working in more of the modern indie rock uh, idiom. They have very differing opinions, and the date, the film, is showing how they interact and how they kind of differ conceptually in their beliefs and how, with all these differences, they kind of form a romance based on that and in spite of that. How exactly did the project come about? I'd always wanted, since seeing my dinner with Andre when I was about 15 or 16, I'd always wanted to write a conversation-based film, and I wasn't sure what angle to approach until kind of that pun title popped into my head. This would have been around 2015, 2016. I wrote the first draft alone as a one-act play to see if it had legs. That would have been only about a 30-minute project, or it would have been 30 minutes in length. So then Amber Laird, who's the female lead in the film, she also has a comes from a writing background. 
like I do. So we started collaborating on the script and then Jordan Yacavella, who's an actor that I've worked with before, we added him to the project and we worked on the script together for about a year, a year and a half, got it to a place where we felt very confident in the dialogue and confident in the, the characters and the personalities of the characters. So the film, a big goal of ours was to feel very natural. We actually included almost no improvisation. Uh, all of the dialogue pretty directly outlined in the script, very clearly what was being said. So even the ums and errs were written in to kind of have that naturalistic feel, even if it wasn't naturalistic by design. That's, I thought, one of the major plus points of the film. It actually looked like two, just like two only people having a date. Was there a number of retakes she had to do whilst filming? Because there's a lot of heavy dialogue and a lot of long takes of dialogue throughout the movie. Was it not too difficult for the actors to perform this in one take? Well, um, both actors came from a, a theatre background. They both had experiences working in that field, which is similar to my dinner with Andre, because Wallace Shawn and Andre Gregory come from that background as well. And having that, I don't think the film would have been possible without that. You need people who are prepared to, I mean, on a functional level, memorize extremely large passages of dialogue and be ready to go on them at pretty much any time. And then also just be living in that character and being ready to hold on to it for an extended period of time and stay in that world, which I think was because they helped with the script so much, that was already, like, well before we even started rehearsals, they were already living in the world of those characters because of their experience on the writing, on the page. Now, whilst writing and directing did the music you wanted to appear in the film come to mind in your head whilst you were working yes so there are a few different elements to the film because the character of andre is a musician so thinking very much of what i wanted he needed a sound which kind of comes up in two tracks in the soundtrack those being uh, lady restless which is a song that is sung by him and it's of his band that song was actually it was written by Jordan, our lead actor, and then it was written as like an acoustic folk song. And then I kind of drastically in the studio reimagined it as kind of this dour indie rock song. In the film, he references Mac DeMarco, Mitski, and Earl Sweatshirt, who are three kind of popular indie artists. It was a bit of a joke on my part as well, because I find a lot of Younger aspiring indie musicians are very big on referencing sounds that they want to sound like. You know, I want this to sound like Mac DeMarco is a sentence I've heard said dozens and dozens of times by young men with guitars and pedal boards. So I thought that having a little bit of fun with that and leaning into that, almost playing the sound straight and almost parodying it at the same time was very fun.
song Loud Sounds, which is a fictional band, and it's the song that he plays to Chloe when she gets to his house. So it's not just a, I like this song, it's a bit of a seduction too. He's trying to play this kind of slow dive, Cocteau Twins type track to kind of put her at ease and maybe, I don't know, you'll, you can see in the film. was the production time on the project um production is physical production our principal photography was about one week it was a limited budget production so that's about all the time we had for it which kind of necessitated intensive rehearsals with the actors beforehand so that they'd be able to get through all that material within a very short time span and then You'd only have the, the sound operated there for so long, only could have the cinematographer there for so long. Thankfully, with a very tight script in terms of um, characters and locations, we were able to pull it off. When was it filmed? Was it before COVID? And uh, did COVID affect the post-production of this film? 
Um, the it was filmed before COVID. COVID very much slowed the post production process. Um, many festivals were shut down or switched digital. And then I personally editing process kind of ballooned out with COVID and just kind of the difficulties I feel a lot of people had with getting things done and produced and working with Charlie Moody, our sound designer on the editing side. Uh, really helped revitalize that. He's I worked with him on the last whistle prior to this and bringing him into this project. Tremendous boost. Before that completed, how long did it take you to write the score for my Tinder of Andre? And was there any pieces you left out in the final cut? Um, yes, there was one piece that I wrote that I left out. So the final length of the, the score, the music that was produced originally for the film would be about 15 to 20 minutes for a 90-minute movie. Let me see. Those songs all took variable lengths and they all kind of had very different paths to creation. The opening underscore took around a month or two to write and record. That was a fun piece. I really like how that one turned out. Um, It's called Chloe on the soundtrack release and it is four piece. It is a pump organ. So very similar to a harmonium in sound. It's got that like an aerophone on a keyboard setting, then two sax, two alto saxophones and a bass guitar. That was, um, I don't know how to describe it. I wanted something with motion, but also ambient, very warm feeling. So recording a pump organ, that was a, found at a thrift store. It was decades old, had many physical problems. I actually had to write the piece It's in a certain key because there were keys on the keyboard that were missing so i could not use them so i was boxed in harmonically by the physical constraints of being which was an added very fun challenge to work around song that took the most time was called long hair so this is a song that is in the universe of the film it comes from another film that does not exist and this was my attempt at writing a in pan alley great american songbook style track something in the vein of moon river or the days of wine and roses which is a musical style that I'm just in love with. And if I could write in that idiom exclusively for the rest of my life, I would not be disappointed. The writing that was difficult. There are certain harmonic elements of that type of music that you don't hear as much, like these fully diminished sevenths, um, these two, five, one progressions, drawing from jazz there. Um, and then lyrically, there's a bit of a, you've got to match the, the kind of language that was used in the early 20th century, 
I suppose the British equivalent would be the musical songs that Paul McCartney loved to bite. So writing that was a real challenge. And then that actually was our one of our biggest challenges um, in shooting was, I don't mean to disparage Jordan, he's a wonderful performer, but he just simply had no experience working with jazz chords as a guitarist. So we, I think we did more takes of that scene where he plays that song than any other. He put in a large amount of work and he's developed as a musician fabulously. But getting that take up to my standards, which were a little bit exacting, took about 12 or 13 tries. piece in the song I guess would have the longest time frame between starting to be written and finished written so the original film My Dinner with Andre ends with the piano piece Gymnopiade number one by Eric Satie so I decided to kind of revitalize that track not, not that it needs revitalization one of the most beautiful pieces ever written but kind of modernize it so I wrote lyrics to it so it was, you know, somewhat thematic lyrics, not like a Will Smith, Wild Wild West narrating the plot exactly, but a kind of thematically getting into the same topics that are covered in the film itself and then putting them to Satie's music. And I got a singer, Eliana Dubin, who I had worked with on the last Whistle soundtrack thing that. So that is the closing song of the film.
Now, as you said, the songs are very important to the score. And there's one song which I noticed was written under some dialogue. Was that song important to the scene or just source music playing underneath the dialogue? Um, so in addition to the tracks that I created for this, I also used tracks from a uh, North Carolina-based uh, bluegrass slash Americana group called the Brown Mountain Lightning Bugs. Uh, my cousin was briefly a member of the band. So for those pieces, which were kind of intermixed with songs that I had written previously, those were, it was more about matching tone than direct meaning. I didn't want the lyrics necessarily to go along, but there are a lot of tonal shifts within the conversation, particularly at the end. So matching the under or the diegetic music within the context of this coffee house scene to the emotional beats of their song was definitely something that we had to play with a few different ways in the editing room. Were there any favorite parts of the score or which you thought really worked best in the film? Um, I'm very happy with the opening piece. I think that's the most, I mean, sophisticated piece of orchestration I did there. And I'd love to work with more sophisticated orchestration. It's just that when I've worked with other directors, they've kept asking me to do these very sparse things and want to say, let me add strings, let me add orchestration. And then emotionally, the the long hair track, I mean, it's, it is guitar and vocal. But kind of thematically, what I'm going for there is because all the musical idioms that we've shown in the film so far have been modern ones, which modern song craft is often very, especially in the indie sphere, is very evasive emotionally you don't get direct statements just i love you in them so bringing the musical style and these two characters are dancing around their own emotions in this day so then having them sing this very old tiny song that's just very directly i love you i feel strongly emotionally and i wanted to cut through the kind of modern technology inspired diffidence that they're showing one another and just have this moment of emotional directness, which I thought played very well with how the two actors respond to it and how they sang and look at one another during the scene. Now, since we last talked in 2019, do you feel that your career has developed musically and as a director? Um, I think I've gotten a lot more thoughtful about things. I feel like I've gotten more careful. Now, I wish I'd be able to say that I'd gotten tremendous opportunities in the meantime. And I was, I don't know, scoring an assistant to Desplat or something, but uh, <laughs> that is not the case. But I feel like I've gotten a much more tight control over what it is I want as a director, as a composer, as a writer. And I'd like to lean into that more and be able to work with other directors, work on my own projects as well. I'd like to do something very different. I've written, so my next project is a science fiction horror short film which is a very different idiom than i've ever worked in and i won't get into the kind of gruesome details of it but as far as a score goes my main inspiration i've started working on samples for it my main inspiration is colin stetson are you familiar with him i think familiar i think i've heard of him he plays the bass saxophone he's also released some solo recordings that are just incredible so he is primarily an instrumentalist his composition kind of comes from that so it's exploring kind of the limits of the bass saxophone as an instrument so it's not just the instrumentation typically he's doing extended techniques he's doing these very dissonant overtones actual like the physical clacking of the keys form a percussive element and i'm wanting to imitate this kind of 
taking an instrument that you're familiar with, which in his case, and in this score's case, the saxophone, and pushing it to its limit so that you've got this very organic sound that's becoming strained and alien and imposing in that direction. Being an assistant composer on a project, could, be, could that be something that could appeal to you to help you learn your trade? Oh, absolutely. If I were given the opportunity, I would jump on it at a moment's notice. There's so many phenomenal composers that I would love to like learn from and work for in whatever way. You know, a Zimmer, a Despla. I really love Johnny Greenwood's work. He's gotten, particularly in the past year with his Spencer score and the Power of the Dog score, he's doing some... He, these are, you know, not blockbusters, but these are pop movies, and he's coming at them with such a kind of avant-garde mindset. But then he can also do something like Phantom Thread, which is a much more familiar idiom, and it's just gorgeous. These very lush, mid-early uh, 20th century sounds that are just, oh, I could listen to them for days. So I would do that in a moment's notice. There don't seem to be many composers working in Atlanta, which is where I still live. Um, I would jump anyone. I would love to get that experience. Now, I'm sure that Atlanta is not a hotbed of film music. But uh, I'm sure if people hear your music, maybe on iTunes or Spotify, and on this show, people may become interested and hopefully they will uh, reach out to you and give you an opportunity to uh, work more in the industry and uh, get an invited experience that you deserve. Yes. That's one thing that's been a little bit of a pain of working in this lower budget space. I've been limited to the instruments in front of me, which is a very, I mean... So that's basically saxophone, piano, guitar, bass, percussion, and that's about it. It's what I can play myself, and I will happily do it, but, you know, I can't play any of the broader strings family. I can't play any brass instruments. I'd love to be able to pull in proper ensembles that are more purpose-designed rather than ones that are just kind of cobbled together by necessity. I have yet to be personally satisfied working with virtual libraries, with sample libraries. Um, I know there are a lot of composers who work with them and do really wonderful things with them. I just can't seem to get them to work the way I'd like to. And I've never been in a situation to do a synthesizer-based score, but there's some phenomenal work in that space as well. I mean, you look at the 80s vintage ones, like the Tangerine Dream work, and it's just remarkable. Michael Andrews did the score for the film Me and You and Everyone We Know, which was synthesizer-based, but in a very comes away sounding extremely organic. And that's what I'm very impressed with, being able to draw so much emotion out of these synthesized instruments. It's all an upward battle in the film industry. So getting to these larger projects with these greater level of resources, that's the, the fight I'm having right now. So it's slow moving, but it, it will happen. I know that much. Well, I think the best thing you can do, just hang in there, keep plugging away and and progress as well as you can, and hopefully sooner or later that break will come. Before we end, can you tell us where we can find my Tinder with Andre? And you also mentioned a soundtrack album. Where is that available from? Yes, so the soundtrack album is available on Spotify and Apple Music and all of those things. It's more of an EP, just with the nature of how much film music was required. And then the film itself, I know, is available on Amazon. I had to double check that it's on Amazon in the UK as well, which it is. If anyone has difficulty finding it, I, I'm i sure your audience, some of them may be in countries that don't have it on Amazon. 
they reach out to me directly, I'll be able to pass on a private screening link because I'm more concerned with just getting it seen. But Amazon, it's also available on Tubi in the United States, the lesser known platform, but a solid one as well. Logan Austin, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you once again. I wish you every success in your future career, of which I hope will develop even further with your music from my Tinder with Andre. Thank you very much for joining us today on Talking Soundtracks. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for listening to the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers you hear throughout the program and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And wherever you're listening to us today, please take a moment right now to leave us a rating and a review of the podcast. You can get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt at our Tee Public store. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. And don't forget to check us out on the web at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>